Hey world, and welcome back to the Shape of a Star podcast, where everyone has a story. We just need to shape it so that, like, we're the star or something along those lines. We're in the episodes now, people. You've listened, and if you haven't, welcome. So today is kind of like a new-ish format for me and our guest, because it's very public knowledge. I pre-send the questions. Well, this happened so fast, I did not. And I actually didn't even write them down. We're just going to go based off the fact that we've known each other for, oh God, 12 years. I was like, what's 10 plus 2? I couldn't remember. I don't do math. That's our guest. Any Hoosers, it's about them. So everyone, please welcome Paul. What's up, man? How's it going? It's good. I'm in my new place. And that's why if I sound different, everyone, that's why. Um, this is my first episode I'm recording my new place, uh, backlog-wise. I've only done episode 62, so if you hear this, it sounds weird, let me know, and I'll fix it for the future. Gotta fix those acoustics, bro. I mean, I just moved. Yeah, to get, like, those whole, pat, like, those Amazon panels where it's all, like, soundproof, those egg crates and whatnot. No, like, a whole professional studio used? going on. I use stuffed hmm. animals around this microphone. Just all, like, be babied up and whatnot. Please. It was a Patamon Digimon and a Vaporeon. <laughs> Sounds like it came from a, what is it? Anime World, no, Anime USA. What's the one that's at the Gaylord? That convention? Katsukan. Katsukan. Yeah. Jeez, I've been out of the loop for a while. Oh please, that's because you're a big and bad living up in a big city now. Oh yes, yes, me, the wonderful Brooklynite. I refuse to be called New Yorker. I must be a Brooklynite. I have, I, I love to make that distinction between the two. I'm not one of those Manhattan, uh, those Manhattan high life people. Not yet. Probably never. Honestly, here's the thing. I have a whole feeling about it, and feel free to come at me in the comments, people. But, sure. um, oh God, this is the most like podcasty, like mansplaining shit I've ever done on this show. So, is this okay. mansplaining? <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean, how podcasts yeah. usually are. So, okay. yeah. But you Unless you're like Manhattan. born and raised from New York, and like, I don't give a shit that you live there for eight or 10 years, people. Like, being a New Yorker, I feel like is a lot more than just living there for a chunk of time. Like, yeah. So that whole, you being a Brooklynite, I'm all for that because you know your Brooklyn area and stuff. But I don't know. I just always have a weird thing about New York being like, I'm a New Yorker. And I'm yeah. like, mm. even I don't like to fully claim it, even though I grew up there most of my life. You still have the accent too. It's pretty, It's in there. It's in there, but it only comes out occasionally. And it depends who the guest is. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, I feel at this point, like I've definitely earned the title of New Yorker just having lived through the entirety of this freaking pandemic. Like, let alone a year into actually living in New York, everything shuts down, turns into a legit ghost town. Things get like real scary for a while, and you have a bunch of people at the top. Like we have our governor, our mayor at the time, and our president, all of whom are born in the city, and all the country just like being complete chaos. It was fun, in retrospect. But like Jesus, there were some bleak walks, <laughs> like all throughout Brooklyn and Queens that got a little bit too. A little bit too Stephen Kingy for my taste. Wow. Uh, speaking of which, everyone, if you're interested into what life in New York was like during the pandemic, go listen to episode 16, Logan Ritchie, who was uh, doing his end of doc school at Mount Sinai. Oh wow, that's that's impressive. He got there June 2020. <laughs> Baptism by fire. That's yeah. That's intense. And he never got it. I was like, how did you not get it? How get oh the virus? He he never got he was like not a carrier or anything. I, well, I don't know if he was a carrier or not. I don't think they were testing for that, but 
Yeah, that was like his start of his like on-site medical stuff. Oh, I don't know about that. If they were if they weren't like religiously testing doctors in Mount Sinai, like they need to learn a thing or two from Sloan Kettering because we were testing everybody that had any patient contact. Yeah. Uh but by the way, everyone, update. <laughs> Logan got his residency, so that happened like two days ago. So yay him. So yeah, you also survived the pandemic in the epicenter of the world. Survived. I think I had the symptoms of the virus like fairly early on, like I want to say it was February of 2020. Felt like the worst case of bronchitis I ever had. Lasted a while, but I was still going on site to work and just like doing business, went to the gym. It sucked, but I powered through it. I powered through worse. I got it for the first time December 31st, 2022. How, how uh, bad were your symptoms? Okay, so I'm one of those people that dies at the cold. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> I felt like death. I bounced back, felt great, and then the next day reset, like going back to death, and the same amount, like six days of feeling better. It took. Yeah, so. that's that's pretty like all over the place. It was very confusing. Boy, <laughs> but yeah, everything's like mostly back to normal here in the city. Like, there's still some people that are. I still see kids getting masks in the city. I'm just like, why? Like, four year olds, five year old kids. Like, unless you're sick, why are you putting a mask on your kid? Well, maybe they are sick. Well, that's true. But it's also just like, there's, there's so many people that just take this masking thing way too far. Like if you're outside and unless you have like, like, again, like if you have like, if you're sick, if you have like some immune condition or if you're like super old, I get it. But if you're just like a normal dude walking around, like the other day, I was, I still see people at the gym on a treadmill wearing like an N95. I'm like, what? Well, isn't and that it's because of, like oxygen control like helps you like cardio intense? For me, it was the reverse because there was a period in time when I went new when I was going to the gym. It was like September 2020 through, I think, right until the vaccine started rolling out, that you had to wear a mask in the gym, even if you're in cardio or like one of the attendants or whomever would start like being total care to you about it. Okay. Um, speaking of which, we're jumping around and getting ahead of yourself, so. Everyone, <laughs> Paul and I go way back. Oh, if you want to hear more about glimpses of Paul, which I don't actually think you were mentioned, but go listen to episode 19, everyone. Go listen to Brad, because as Brad and I were roommates, Paul was also our roommate. Oh, so you've been dishing out about stuff about our past before. <laughs> Paul, no, I talked to Brad about like how he's a survivor of a car accident and stuff. Oh, uh, yes. But you yes, were, like, yes. living with us when that happened. Actually, I already moved out when that happened. It was literally, like, you were there. Well, I, I was around to experience it, and then I remember Charles was over a lot, like, as a result of that. He was also a casualty, but not, like, quite the casualty Brad was. And no one actually died, anyone. As, obviously, because Brad did an episode. This happened to two thousand ten years ago. Ten years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. Or 11. Oh, my God, that is ten years ago. It'll be ten years ago in May, I think. No, it was 11 years ago in May. No, it was 2013 when it happened because we were oh, in Sanford. Oh, yeah, you're right. It would have been, we, yeah, we would have Yeah, been. 10 years ago this May or April. Yeah, it's hard to keep track sometimes. But yeah, so, woo. Yeah, woo. My friend didn't die. That's an, that's an accomplishment. I mean, it is. Uh, <laughs> you weren't there, right? No, I wasn't there. It happened at University Mall, I think, right? Right across from, this, uh, right across from campus. Yes. By the way, everyone, for those who don't know, <laughs> we went to George Mason. 
Go Patriots. Which is how we end up to this section of questioning. There are some standards of questioning that I ask everyone that went to Mason because I got a lot of Mason people to come on here. Are yeah. you ready? I am just about ready. I was look, looking for one little thing. Where to go? Oh, shoot. Oh, there it is. Found it. Okay. Have at it. Okay. Where? What was your go-to order at the JC? JC. Well, you remember Subconnection? That, like, because we didn't have a subway yet, because we didn't get to the nice apartments until much, much later, that was, like, you know, my usual, like, turkey sandwich or whatever it was there. This Again, this is, like, pre-Chipotle. This is pre-Noodles and Company or whatever came in there at some point. So, like, a lot of the choices were pretty ratchet. Um, But, yeah, probably sub-connection. It would have, like, if I was at Mason today with, like, my taste palette, I probably would have been more adventurous to go to Indorama. But I just remember going by there, and it did not look authentic or like digestible Indian food. It looked pretty, pretty yikes. Indorama's not there anymore, so good. It's probably a health hazard. Thank you, thank you, uh, Sodexo. I don't even know if Sodexo still runs it. That's the food company, everyone. Okay, next <laughs> question: Did you worship the crane god? There's a crane god. Did you not know about the crane god? No, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. I knew oh. the like the whole myth with like the George Mason foot statue. Like if you touched it, you like rub it or kiss it. And then you would graduate in four years, but I've never heard about the crane gun. The got the crane that hits hung over the library. No, I never heard about this. I mean, all it was is just people being like, that's God. Now it watches over us at all times. Cause it was a giant crane that just hung over most of the campus. Everyone. So, <clears throat> I mean, that, that sounds like a pretty on point Mason mood. Like there's still construction going on over there. Like it's insane, but like when we were then, when we were going, it was like a full-on industrial park. <laughs> I mean, I loved it. So, I mean, it was cool too. There was like a little bit of a Mad Max flavor going on, but I just remember the old universe. No, it was the. It wasn't the university. Co no, it was the university commons that got all redone. We were like, I was like one of the last people that was living there at that time. President's Park was the one that was still intact, and then we moved over to those brand new buildings and. Yeah, it's quite a step up, quite a free upgrade. It really it was, was my first sing. It was my first single too. So I suffered through. I suffered for, through my first set of roommates that first semester, and then we ended up going to a nice little place on my own. It was a great single, fantastic experience, uh, and a far ass walk. I'll say that. Yeah, but that's also when I first started like experimenting with like bands and such like that. Was when I started living in that space. Oh. We'll get there. Don't worry. So. In time. Um, what would you say is the quintessential George Mason experience for camp on-campus students? Oh, geez. Um, I mean, based off our memories, I definitely remember like pilot house experiences. If you're not, if there's not a period in your George Mason life where you're not two or three nights minimum going to pilot house and you're getting the pizzas, the orange sodas or like the late night breakfast and just like shooting the shit with your friends or like pulling an all nighter or doing what we did and started writing and whatnot. Like you're, you're missing out. I'm not sure pilot if it's there anymore. In like 2016. Oh, wow. These kids today. Ike's was all right, but like pilot house when we went, that was like the absolute pinnacle of the George Mason experience on campus. Right. I'm glad you said it because some people don't believe me. Also like people, why when wouldn't we were 
at me. What do you mean they don't believe you? I don't know. People were like, oh, it probably wasn't as ratchet as you thought. Crazy things didn't happen at Pilot House, like you said. No, people, Pilot House like, that's, deserves that's its own bullshit. podcast. It really does. <laughs> it does. Like, the things that we... The Chick-fil-A. Ratskeller? Ratskeller, yeah. They tried to make Ratskeller a thing. I'm just like, yeah, it's a fine, like, barely passable pub food. But, like, Pilot House, if you wanted to, like, see shit go down, go to Pilot House. It's, like, 1.30 in the morning on, like, a Thursday night. But, like, yeah, that's all you really needed. Yeah. Oh, I hear those sirens of the city streets. I live right next to an uh, ambulance dispatch center right now. It's uh, it's quite the experience, but you get used to it, like everything in New York. When I first got to New York, it was like, oh, my God, so much noise. But you adapt. It's all good. When I lived in New York, I was next to JFK. Yeah, so that's small potatoes compared to what you went through. I actually don't know. I never noticed it. Really? <laughs> You just ignore it after a while. Any hoosers. So you've mentioned it. So let's dive into it. Um, you spend your free time writing. Yes, I do, among other things. But yeah, I love, I've always loved storytelling. I've always loved like, whether it's like you're taking characters in an established universe like Marvel or Star Wars or whatever, or you're making up stuff like spontaneously out of nowhere. It's just always stuff that I've loved to do with my friends. And like whenever I had friendships with people, like the closest friendships I've ever had are with other people. Like whether you're writing or whether you're creating music, there has to be like a mutual participation in the creative process. So just something I've always loved doing, like even as like a little kid, it was just storytelling, whether it's through like original ideas, toys, fan fiction, original stuff. It's just been always, it's always been there. What's your go-to genre? Um, I don't really know. I think like lately, I mean, well, I'll talk about this in a bit too, but I've always like gravitated towards like science fiction, fantasy, um, but just anything that's a bit, if not like dark humor, like definitely like darker and heavier subject matter, but it could always be like through like a science fiction, fantasy, or even like a contemporary flair. It just has to be like dark and heavy undertones to it. Yeah, that tracks. Um... <laughs> knowing you forever that tracks yeah so um yeah so as although you also write are you also a reader um more of a listener these days i it's been forever since i've actually like sat down and read like a proper novel like i still read comics just not like not how it used to when we'd go to the comic shop and like just get floppies or trades willy-nilly but i still do I still do read trades now and then. Um, but as far as reading itself, I can't even remember the last time I sat down and like read a prose novel or whatnot. I know it was the Witcher series and I've definitely loved like reading that as opposed to just watching whatever on Netflix. But these days it's mostly podcasts. So I'm still getting knowledge. I'm still consuming stuff, but it's much more non-fictional, current events, political, or just, you know, general science space know how and whatnot if you had to recommend a podcast to the world to listen to what would it be and why is it mine uh why is it yours because you are an emerging young podcaster that's going to be networking himself quite extensively with all the artistic socio-political and controversial figures of the world wow (laughs) you believe in me I do. I do believe in my friends. If you don't believe in your friends and support their dreams, like, are you a real friend or are you just uh, 
Are you just a clinger? Are you just like a social ladder climber? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So other than mine, what are you recommending to people? I, um, I've lately been a big fan of the Lex Freeman podcast. He will just take anything. You can be from like artificial intelligence to like American history to understanding like sex workers to like evolutionary biology. He's a very, he's a, I believe he's a professor at MIT, but his, his interview style, they have these podcasts that run like anywhere from two to three hours. And with like the exception of like maybe one bathroom break, it's like kind of what we're doing now. It's very stream of conscious. It's very much active listening and asking of questions. Um, But they dive into some pretty like, culturally relevant if not pressing scientific issues at the time so if you're like very cerebral and heady totally recommend that i don't know if that's what i'd call this you and i are doing stream of consciousness because i know you and i could bounce off each other for days we have (laughs) yeah Yeah, yeah. we We live together oh i was just about to say we lived we 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 met and knew each other for about a year ish before we actually moved in together with uh our other two compatriots for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a blast. I was, I will say I'm not necessarily, I don't think the best roommate, but I was fine. You weren't the messiest. Which is surprising. Yeah. Considering uh, one other person in particular that we live with that will go unnamed for now. But I thought, I thought I was an okay roommate. I was definitely a lot shyer back then just with, you know, me being personal, just like personal stuff that was going on with me at the time. And also just the first, not the first semester, but definitely like the second year of college was just hard as far as academics. So just, I basically had no social life at that time. So oh, yeah. that's when you were in Orco. Orca, and I call it. <laughs> Ochem, Ochem, but yeah, Ochem, genetics, <sighs> that was a heavy year. That's when you were breeding flies. You remember that? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, be honest with me. Did I actually smell like ether when I came back from the genetics lab? I never smelled it, but Brad claimed he did. But can you explain this experiment to people? Because I don't think they understand the full scope of being a fly breeder. Okay, so um, so this was for our genetics class in George Mason University. And a very good animal model for just understanding genetics in general are um, the species name is Drosophila melanogaster, which are in layman's terms is the fruit fly. And what makes them great is they, instead of having like 26, no, 23 pairs of chromosomes, 46 chromosomes in total, like humans do, Drosophila only has four. So like any kind of mutations or whatnot are much easier to study in fruit flies and there's a lot of genetic cross variability there's a lot of genetic not cross variability it's the wrong term there's a lot of genetic similarity in some genes between fruit flies and humans not that we have like fly genes or whatnot but they're much more like integral uh genetic pathways and whatnot so the point being since you know they're flies and they're not like rats or snakes or cats or whatever they're fairly easy to grow and manage so kind of as a rite of passage what they'll do is like this heavy semester long project i think of taking care of fruit flies and you have a stock and you have to breed them and yeah if you ever go for like any kind of genetics lab they commonly use um fruit flies as a vector so 
kind of getting your feet wet as far as lab technique goes. Getting your feet wet? You had to wake up at like all hours of the night to go check on these damn larvae and then make sure like sex them up, not like act like like gender sex, everyone, even though sex and gender are two different things, I know. But, and then basically commit like, I don't know, you killed off the guys, right? At some, oh Jesus, you remember stuff more than I do. Um, it's been a long time since I've pried my mind for this, just for the record. But yeah, it's just, now that I think about it, like having gone through the graduate side a little bit through graduates, through a, through a PhD program I tried doing at one time, they really do at Mason, or I'm assuming most science programs around the country, they do groom you for either at, you know, either being a lab technician or like going straight into postdoctoral research and constantly having to do these tasks. Like, yeah, you have to come in at 1.30 in the morning to do stuff or find someone in your lab group to take care of it. Cause you know, or just if you're living on campus, guess what you're gonna be doing at 12.30? You're gonna be going to get the fly stock. You're gonna be changing all the stuff coming smelling like ether. And then you'll come home and get a bite or two at Wendy's at like two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. And you had to come at that time period too. Cause you know, they're flies, they grow so fast and missing that time point by like two or three hours could mean the difference between like saving all your baby larvae or having a whole bunch just drown in like the potato mesh that you make for them from food. Huh. I didn't know that they just drowned. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Would... Well, I didn't ask all the details about how you did it. I would just hear about like, oh, this one had pretty colored wings and this one had ugly wings. So it had to die. Yeah. Some of them. I mean, some of them would just die with ugly wings in general. Like if your wings are all like malformed and whatnot, instead of like flying around, they just like fall. And the little food we give them was like some potato cornmeal thing or whatever, but it's sticky to them. So it's like quicksand. They just die and it's, they like have the little fly. I was going to say tentacles, but that's not true. <laughs> They're little fly legs, like crawling up at the ceiling and yeah, it's cruel, but that's natural selection at its most uh, primitive. You can't survive. Charles Darwin comes for you. Yeah, and I know that a lot because I don't think you could see it, but I have a fish tank now and like those genetics um, of those little guppies. I'm a guppy person, so. Gotcha. There. Yeah, uh, there was a whole thing that I was going to say about this. Oh, yeah, everyone. I always compared it to Farmville. <laughs> Less baby boomers, but yeah, definitely more Farmville. No, because it's like, you know, Farmville, you have to be up six hours to harvest your corn, eight hours to yeah. like raise your pig. And it really was like clockwork, and because we dormed, which I loved dorming, uh, yeah. It was... Farmville, thank thank you for the throwback on that. I almost forgot about Farmville and like the peak of Facebook gaming. That that was that shit was intense. It was intense, um, but then it died off, and now look where we are now. Do people still play Candy Crush too? Yeah, people play Candy still, Crush. Still, oh my god, I never did. I never did too. That like you talk about like the boomer Facebook game. I think that was really like Mark Zuckerberg's strategy to like reel in a whole bunch of like, you know, the 46 to 66 crowd and just be like, Oh my God, here's candy crush. And now let me stock my college kids and whatnot. That's like around the time when Facebook stopped becoming cool too. Like 2012, 2013. Uh, I guess. I don't know. I use it like nonstop. So. Well, I mean, I guess not in vogue anymore. Like, you know how like Instagram became in vogue and then you had like TikTok, and then probably it's like something else in a few years. will too. Oh, that was the other thing too. So um, a fun fact about Paul, everyone, is that Paul was the only person that I had in my world that could keep up with me in comics. Aw. 
No, it's true because people always think that like, oh, this little like, I don't know, insert some stereotype of gay here. I was trying to say something that isn't offensive, but uh, <laughs> I can't think of it. You're talking to the wrong person here for that kind of terminology. <laughs> Look, we know that this is an inclusive show. I'm very pro everyone being their own thing, but- As am I. Yeah, we both are. But, like, <laughs> let's be honest, people. People stereotype me into being, like, super gay and, like, into whatever I'm into and whatever that entails that no one thought I was in the comics. And yet, people that know me know I know so much about comics. You introduced me, like, the whole, like, Young Avengers crowd, and I'm like, oh, my God, this dude knows about X-Men. That's cool. And it's not just like, okay, I know the Brian Singer movies. It's like, oh, you actually know, like, a lot of like the backstory, all the like the like more than just the hallmark events. And like, oh, I watched Nightcrawler and Mystique on screen. Her tits look good. I mean, her tits didn't look good, but still, that's not what I'm noticing. <laughs> but um... I'm still, I'm still noticing that. I think Jennifer Lawrence does a great job, but I still like Rebecca. 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 What was the first one's name? Rebecca, Rebecca Ramon. Romaine. Yeah. Speaking of no, because this is what I wanted to ask you. Do not spoil if you actually read it, but. Did you follow Avengers versus X-Men versus Eternals? There's a third one? Yes. Because I know AVX from like back in the day and that didn't that lead to Avengers versus no, that led to Age of Ultron or did Age of Ultron lead to AVX? Okay, so Ultron I don't think technically was like actually relevant to it. So here's what happened. Avengers versus X-Men happened and then that led yeah. to Avengers versus Inhuman. No, X-Men versus Inhumans. That was disappointing. I did read X-Men versus Inhumans. That oh, it's was like, been long mm. enough, and I actually read that one, so we could totally talk about that if you want. I mean, we can. I don't remember it in good detail, but I just remember it being like, oh, this is what this is. Because that came out in, like, what, 2017? Yeah. Yeah, so that was around the time where I was reading floppies religiously. And, like, to be fair, yes, like, we the MCU's version of Inhumans, that was, like, a mini-movie and then six parts or whatever that was. Yes, that was a total disaster. But I actually think the Inhumans have some really good storylines. It's just because at the time, because Fox or because 20th Century Fox wasn't owned by Disney at that point, this was like long before the big buyout, they actively tried to like snuff out anything to do with X-Men. So X-Men comics were just dog shit for a long time, like really up until the whole House of X powers X thing. Clearly, you can see I'm a big time comic geek. <laughs> anyway. No, but um, we used to talk about the shit all the time. Oh, I know. I just I'm getting back into this stuff too because it's been a while since I picked up X Men. But anyway, it was just people didn't like the Inhumans because number one, there are there weren't a whole lot of like mainstream, well known Inhuman stories. But I went back and I read Paul Jenkins Inhumans, fantastic story. Fan, like that's what they should have made the um, that's what they should have made the uh, Inhuman series if they like followed that, adapted that, pretty much point for point. That would have been awesome. Um, Al Ewing, his um, his run on Royals, which was basically all the Inhumans minus Black Bolt, that was great. And then Saladin Ahmed did a 12-issue Black Bolt series. Some of the most beautiful artwork I've seen in the comic book story. I would highly recommend. Um, yeah, Al Ewing's Royals and... Saladin Ahmed's Black Bolt. This is like around 2017, 2018, somewhere around there. But yeah, one of the very few like good Marvel stories at that time. Before C.B. Zabolski took over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what do you remember about... Because, uh, okay, here's the other thing, people. I've never been able to talk about someone who actually read like 
X-Men versus Inhumans or Inhumans versus X-Men, whatever it's called. Yeah. So what that do you much remember like, of it? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you said it yourself, like whatever it's called. That's basically my that's basically my thoughts on the whole thing. I remember what I do remember is like weren't the Terrigen mists like lethal to the X-Men? They started killing like whoever was left out for like because you had the, the whole thing that started off the mutants dying was House of M. Yep. Right. Yeah. That was a good storyline, but like from that point onward, really until Jonathan Hickman took over, like I said, pretty much all X-Men comics were shit. And that was just one more turd-shaped domino in a gigantic stampede of total and complete nothing that was the X-Men comics at that time. It was just it was just another thing like, oh, okay. Some like I don't even remember who wrote it too. Do you remember who wrote it? Which one? Uh Inhumans versus X-Men. No, but I, I want to say look it up real fast. I want to say Jeff Lemire was part of that. I could be wrong. But I just I remember the here's the thing about X-Men comics from that era. The art Yes, it was Charles which, Slowell and Jeff Lemire. That's a okay, Charles Soul, I can see. No offense, Charles Soul. But like Jeff Lemire is a great writer. He has some good stuff under his belt. So I was kind of surprised how awful um in human like again, it's an X-Men comic from that era, but I remember uh I remember Inhumans versus X-Men being particularly terrible. I didn't think it was Just, terrible well, because like philosophically, I totally was like understanding. But uh, I just thought that was weird character choices. I don't have much more to say on it. <laughs> to be honest, I just don't remember too no, much happening. Fine. Other, other than I think that was also around the time when, um, like I said, at the time I went, I just started like purposely diving into the Inhumans, being like, okay, is there anything salvageable about this? And I do remember Mosaic also had his like individual title come out at the point. But because he was a brand new character and everyone was like, who's Mosaic? It just got canceled after like 10 issues or something like that. But yeah. also another good, it was it was really good. Like as far as like introducing everything I want to see, like, okay, you're increasing diversity and representation. You have an African, African-American superhero and he has like, you know, it's not like a stereotypical like tokenism characterization either he's like a former nba player and then he gets his powers and he's just suddenly this like complete outcast so seeing like that dichotomy and him play well i won't spoil anything it's totally worth checking out but just seeing a cool brand new character actually being written well and being drawn amazing that's awesome i think that was written by jeffrey thorne and uh kari randolph kari randolph as far as like drawing spider-man i would love to see a whole series drawn by him the fact that you remember all these bitches' names. Because <laughs> they're good. Like, if a comic's good, I'll remember the creator's name. If not, I'll just be like, who cares? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I know the storylines. I know the characters. I know, like, who's who usually. Some of the art yeah. styles are very questionable. I'm like, who is this? I have yeah. to wait until they do something. But... Well, I mean, I, mean I, I, I got to be really good friends with somebody who ran a comic book store for a while, too. So, like, through getting to know her. It was like, okay, I'm going to go even further down the like comic book store rabbit hole. So it was interesting seeing like not only as a comic book fan, like getting to know artists and getting to know authors and like the comic circuit, but also just like a little bit of how the comic industry is run too. So a little peek at the underbelly of it all. Yeah. So we know you're a nerd. 
to the eighth degree. Really? Really? Well, I mean, you outed yourself, so <laughs> sorry. Okay, so you're into video games, too. I don't know if you're sort still of. into video games, but... Not as much. Like, video games for me nowadays, it's like, oh, I haven't played my Switch in a while. Let me put on Pokemon or Breath of the Wild or, like, Super Smash Brothers. Hey, my video counts. games has gone way down. Like, since moving to New York, my video game playing has gone way, way, way down. Which is totally fine. But what are your favorite genres? For video games? RPGs, um, whatever you would classify Pokemon as at this point. Apparently um, it's an RPG. Like, Who knew? I guess, yeah. I mean, when I think of RPGs, I think of, like, Fallout anymore. But those are awesome. Um, I'll always play a Bethesda Studios game, even though they come out, like, once every 10 years at this point. But Skyrim, they're coming out with some, like, sci-fi RPG, I heard, at some point. Like, fairly soon. Um, but, yeah, like, any Elder Scrolls game, any... any Bethesda Studios game I'll play 100% and the Telltale games when they were out but Telltale Studios RIP so the question I love to ask everyone is if you had to be isekai into a video game world which one what's isekai isekai okay you know the anime genre that is like you get hit by a car and you wake up in a different world I understand the concept, but no, I don't know the genre. Okay, it's basically, like, Digimon's technically an isekai. You just get sucked into a different world. Yeah, yeah. Inuyasha is technically one. So the, your, so what was the question again? Was it video game series or, like... Yeah, a video game world. A video game world. Um, I would hate to just go with my, like, standard answer and say Pokemon, but I would say... And I get sucked, like, I just get sucked into there permanently, or is it, like, I can go back and forth? Uh, I say permanently until you finish your quest, basically, kind of like Jumanji. I, wa I want to say like Fallout in like a certain light would be fun, but I also think like being exposed to like <laughs> radiation and like all the super mutants would be like yikes without power armor. But I'll say Fallout. Screw it, especially Fallout Three when it was like actually focused in DC and had by far the best story of the Fallout games that I've played. But yeah, Fallout. As long as I had like a set of power armor and like one companion. Fallout would be cool. Okay, well, good luck. <laughs> that might be happening soon. Depends on uh, depends on what's going on in Ukraine. Oof. Um, stockpile yeah. your bottle caps all. Oh, that was the other one. What kind of music are you into these days? Because I know you're a big music person, so let's talk about that too. Sure. Um, music kind of been the same that's always been um like my home base is like rock like hard rock music so anything from like classic rock modern hard rock alternative metal blues some punk stuff like generally if it has like a lot of guitar and a decent amount of distortion that's kind of generally what i gravitate toward but since coming to the city i've gotten a lot into like modern r&b even like folk and like singer songwriter stuff to a point i've gotten back into pop rock like as far as as far as like red lines with music, it's really just bro country. I just there's just something about like Bud Light cans and talking about like humping your tractor that just turns me off completely. And this is coming from someone who like was born and raised in Virginia my whole life. Northern Virginia, but still like proximate enough to all the country stuff that it's just like Yeah, no thanks. Yeah. Um are you still playing? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm kind of in between bands right now. We're forming, we're trying to like select different people from lineups and whatnot. So at this point, it's just me and a guitarist, but 
were actively, like I said, looking for new band members. Things kind of fell apart with my old band, but yeah, hopefully I'll be getting up to a gig and play again come the end of the year to be determined. Um, what kind of band? Like, what's the genre, or is it just like eclectic? We're definitely focused, like like I said earlier, it's going to be more of like a hard rock metal kind of project, probably just more hard rock. Um, I'm at the point right now where I have like a like two to three nearly complete song ideas, and they're both gravitating towards it, like hard rock with like a classic rock kind of vibe to it. Um, nothing overly complicated, very riff based, but it's just a matter of getting everybody down, coordinated together. Because again, a lot of people when they try to form bands, they don't realize it's not just like, hey, I want to write music and gig. It's trying to coordinate the different lives and goings on with four, five, God forbid, six or seven people. And the more people you introduce to the mix, the more egos you have to manage, the more like variables that you introduce to a band situation. And it's just, it when it works and everyone's on their game, it's 100% worth it. Like, I would absolutely do this again. I want to be like somewhat musically active, like as long as I can live, even if I'm not like playing gigs every year or whatever, like as long as I have like a, prox like a proximity to it, that's great. But at the same time, if you've never been in the band like long-term, it is a commitment. It will take energy out of you. And if you're the kind of person that gets very not agitated, but annoyed about all the different variables that could go wrong. And you really want to steer the ship. You need to be in the driver's seat or at least have a good co-pilot with you. Cause if you don't, it's just at best, it's just a lot of inertia and things can go nowhere for a long time. And at worst, it's just complete chaos. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I can imagine. <laughs> uh, so people know that I relevantly work with like performing arts stuff. And I was working on it since before, since we met, actually. I was involved in all Pro that. It sounds the same. Probably even before that, haven't you? Like, didn't you do a lot of like guard work and such when you were in like in high school or before him? I didn't work. I was just in it. <laughs> but yeah, that was like your training for the whole thing. That's what got your feet wet. Well, no, I was just like actually like on the teams, like doing my thing, and then yeah, I and didn't, you loved it. I still love it. Um, yeah. <laughs> tomorrow's my not tomorrow. I keep thinking it's Friday. Uh, Saturday's my last almost. Competition. Oh, by the way, everyone, it is March twenty third, twenty twenty three. Um, so if something ages wrong, that's how you know that we were fine. <laughs> I do that yeah. every episode because you never know. Exactly. Oh yeah, I forty minutes. In Forty minutes pandemic. into the podcast, it feels like it feels like a Hobbit movie. Like we're just entering the title sequence. Forty, like 40, 45 minutes into the podcast, that's great. Oh, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I actually never saw the Hobbit movies. Oh, don't, 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 don't. I think this is someone who loved the Peter Jackson films. I love the Peter Jackson films. I have not seen Rings of Power. I don't really want to. I haven't heard a lot of good stuff about it. But the Hobbit films, I only saw the first one. I think. If it was like subtitled An Unexpected Journey, I think. Just long. Lots of CGI. Not a lot of practical effects within like proportion to the CGI. And it was just... Just not my cup of... It's just not my cup of tea. I like Lord of the Rings much better. Yeah. I think it's a better story. Um, I have lots of opinions on that. But before I get into that, on that note... 
commercial time, everyone. So here today, we're going to be talking about queries, qualms, and quirks, which asks published authors to share their successful query letter and discuss their journey from first spark to day of a publication. Author Sarah Nicholas interviews authors of all genres about how they got started writing, getting their own book deal, and their experiences with publication. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, find it on YouTube, or go to sarahnicholas.com. That's Sarah with an H and Nicholas with no H to learn more. Also, Sarah was like episode, not 12. God, what episode number? Uh, ooh. Episode, oh God, was it that? Yeah, wow. Episode six, where they came on and spoke about this. Ta-da! There ended Ta-da. the commercial. Wonderful. Episode six, my, also my favorite Star Wars movie. Uh, but yeah, no, the reason why I brought it up is because we're going to dive into, you already mentioned that you're a writer, but also I know you're an artist and I know you're currently like in creation mode and like, here's your time to shine. Drop all that. Oh, geez. Where do I even start? Do you want me to do like the full recap of everything or what I'm doing right now? All. I'm happy with all. This is okay. Take me down memory lane. It's true confession time. All right. So I've loved just the idea of storytelling, like as like like this sounds cliche as fuck, but as long as I can remember, like when I was little kids, like two like two or three years old, I would have like Thomas the Tank Engine toys, and I would drive my parents nuts about like just reciting everything from like the little TV shows. As I got older, it was got interest like with like Spider Man, Marvel, um, Transformers, Power Rangers, and shit like that. And um, Star Wars being the big one, I've met a lot of um, a lot of like mutually creative people that were super heavy into Star Wars and just like the whole vision of what George Lucas was trying to create. Like, especially when you have someone like George Lucas having like the original idea of a cinematic universe way back in like the seventies before Marvel came along and did, did its did its thing. That's a whole separate conversation. But I've always loved the idea of like collaborating with other people with storytelling and just taking characters whether they were entirely fictional or not not fictional um entirely original characters rather or characters from other universes that were established and just telling stories through many different perspectives i loved it still loved it um so in fifth grade i remember very strongly there being like a class newspaper project that we were all assigned on and each person had their own little niche or whatever like one person would do sports one person would do like cultural stuff and then i ended up doing a comics page because like no one suggested that and like you know you can't have a newspaper without a proper comics page so i would draw like original creations or whatever and just have like a two or three panel comic strip and like everyone loved them and even though i loved writing and like prose and whatnot i've written poetry before and you know, like like little short stories, it was always like not only the writing, but the visual together with the writing that made everything cool. Like just taking both like prose and dialogue and combining that with comic imagery and just meshing it all together. That was like, holy crap. So at that point, as far as comics were concerned, I wasn't like actively reading floppies a lot. I would be lucky with my parents would give me like a trade paper back like every Christmas, like once a year kind of thing. And then once I discovered comic book stores and like the idea like, oh my God, a place like this exists. 
in college, it was just straight down that whole rabbit hole and just constantly consuming that being like really truly falling in love with the art form, how things are laid out and just seeing like, Oh my God, it's not like how it was in the sixties where it's like, you have like 16 different colors. It's very like low resolution, not a lot of detail. And then you jump forward to something like 2012 and you see all like these detailed, very heavily inked drawings and whatnot. So college was definitely where I fell in love with that. Um, but as far as creating stories and whatnot, I really didn't get back into doing it full time. Like as something I really wanted to pursue beyond just like, you know, screwing around and just having something to do was about halfway through college. Um, the girl I was dating at the time was also writing and she was an English major. And it was like, okay, yeah, you're writing a book too. That's awesome. Like ended up reading her stuff and just really being around being around her and just like seeing that, oh yeah, some other person wants to do this too. That's not like some 45 year old writer that lives in like some random place out West. It's just like, these are people my age or even younger, like with the same aspirations as me. So in a way that was reassuring and I'm like, okay, well, if you know, she can do that, I can do that too. And then also just talking with you and Brad all throughout freshman year and having like our own sidebars it seemed like at that point it was almost every night that we were just like, okay, we have our homework done or maybe not. And then just like <laughs> gather in whether it was the Johnson center or Ike's or whatever. Or any study free room, room we could find. Exactly. Any free room anywhere on campus we could get. Hell, it would be the library at some points. So we would grab our Cokes or our Taco Bells or pilot house. Shout out again to pilot house, rest in peace. And just, have pizza in one hand, like type on on our laptops. In the other hand, like we'd share ideas and everything. So again, tying back into collaborative storytelling, like even though it was college and we were like that story is probably never going to see the light of day. <laughs> maybe, maybe over not. my dead body, I'm still working. <laughs> but still, it was like even having a even having any kind of like an outlet back then that I could be creative on top of like going through a science major and having like an extremely left brain curriculum. I'm just like, yeah, I'm keeping my creative flair alive. And looking back on that, that was fantastic. Um, but anyhow, continuing on with history, like I had mentioned, whether it was college, childhood, teen years or whatever, I've always had some sort of like fictional project in my head to like just swirling around with ideas but it wasn't until college and it wasn't until I was starting uh, dating my ex at the time or my ex now girlfriend at the time um, that I really put stuff to paper and be like, okay, I want to be serious about actually putting creative work out there and like maybe publishing it someday. So I tried, or I did write four novels, one of which, one of which is your first novel. Whenever you write that, it's always going to suck. But like just the idea of going out and like attempting something like that, that enough, anybody who could do that, even if it never gets published, deserves a massive pat on the back. Because it really truly is like more than anything, an exercise in patience. Like if you have the patience to like sit down and write a novel, whether you finish it in three months, like all professional writers should, or you take six months or whatever, just having a rough draft, as ugly as it might be, as scatterbrained and unfocused and just like kind of cringy it sometimes it might be just the act of like actually finishing it it's a good feeling especially your first it's like holy shit i finished a novel this is awesome <laughs> so yeah it's um when you have your first piece of work that you're 
that you you can really look back on and be like, I put a lot of time into this and I'm proud of this. And no matter what anyone else sees or doesn't see of this work, it's like, yes, it's awesome. So I did one, I finished another novel, kept writing another manuscript, did one after that, did another one after that. And then hundreds of rejection later, letters later, it's like, okay, so your ego gets bruised. You get taken down a few pegs. There'll be literary agents that will reject you for absolutely stupid reasons that make no sense to you because it's not in vogue or like there's one little thing in there's one little thing in your story that upsets them. It's like okay. Um, and with my point of view, after I finished my fourth manuscript, I had to like really reevaluate. Do you want to do this again? Do you want to do this a fifth time? And I'm not saying I will never ever attempt it again. But it got to a point where, like, I knew something had to change. So throughout the pandemic, I got back into drawing, which was even even more so than, like, writing and whatnot. It was something that always soothed me or calmed me or grounded me whenever I was stressed or busy with school or had, you know, tense moments in family and with family situations, whatnot, drawing was always a good sanctuary to just pause, breathe, and just like let out whatever I was feeling. So I did that for a bit. Um, and then it got to a point where I'm like, even though drawing standalone pieces in detail might be something I'm good at, what I've always been more natural at is cartooning. And then just dawned on me at one point, like take cartooning, take drawing these characters over and over and over again. And the writing thing that you've clearly passionate about, and like I said earlier, combine the both. And we get to where I am now, where I'm working actively on a webcomic. And it's been something I've been doing for about two years. No end in sight. Two years is a long time to be dedicated to one project. Uh, why don't you tell us about what this two-year journey has been all about? Sure. Um, so for those of you curious, um, the comic that I'm referring to is... You can find it on Instagram at planetdeath underscore comics. So, um, like I said, the genesis of this project came about during the pandemic, and what I started to what I started to do, or what I went with in with the intention on doing, was just creating like one-off comic strips that you would find in a newspaper. Except instead of publishing them in a newspaper, you'd publish them on Instagram. And shout out to the Instagram comics community. Just so many diverse projects, so many different, so many different just avenues and art styles that are just part of that community, and it's extremely supportive. So even if, even if you think you suck, and even if your like first couple of comics aren't that great, you'll still have a lot of people who are there just to lift you up and encourage you to keep going and keep growing with your comic. So it started off, like I said, with the intention of being just one-off little scripts, but I also had the idea when I was still primarily focus on prose novels to write an epic fantasy series. And the more I went on flirting with the idea of an epic fantasy series, the more I came to realize maybe doing it in a prose novel, like I mentioned earlier, wasn't the best option for me. So what I instead did is just said, okay, I'll take this epic fantasy idea and see if I can weave it in together with these comic characters that I've created. And lo and behold, it seems to be working so far. So I've had, you know, a steadily growing audience. I'm almost at 500 followers now. Um, but since creating the comic, I've definitely had 
more than a small handful of very dedicated followers who have truly been there since this whole thing started taking off and just seeing a lot of their continued support, encouragement, engagement with me over the years. And like really liking the characters and like paying attention enough to being like, yeah, there's other people out there that this art connects to. And I truly do believe comics are art. Um, yeah, it's been really rewarding and happy to see that like, even if this person has only a minute or two's worth of enjoyment in their day, or like this is like their little bright spot in their day, if I'm able to provide that, whether it's like something uplifting they see in their day and it's like the only thing they see in their day that's like positive or makes them smile, or if it's just five minutes of entertainment or less, I've done my job. So it's cool. It's like, not only are you happy in seeing like your personal characters come to life, it's also awesome seeing the feedback and what these characters and the story means to your fellow, uh, what means to your audience. No, that totally makes sense. Uh... Yeah, I've seen you grow. I followed when you made your account, which actually people don't necessarily know that you had a following and then it completely got like wiped or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm not on Instagram right now, so I feel like I could talk about this a little bit. So I don't think it's controversial or a great secret to say at this point that Instagram among other social media platforms are highly engaged in forms of censorship. And a lot of the censorship is done not necessarily with real live humans who are sitting in that, who are like sitting behind the scenes and whatnot, like looking at all the content. Cause like, let's be honest, how many millions of contents post on Instagram, let alone all of these platforms at once. So a lot of it's done through like algorithms and like some, I would imagine some like proto super intelligent AI or adaptive AI or like chat GPT or whatever it's called anymore. Um, and, a, and a lot of these AI, even though they're supposed to be going in with the idea of like being like a human, understanding what humans are, they're not very good at understanding sarcasm. Um, they're very terrible at understanding context. And I think it's a combination of both like not having intelligent enough AI, but also just the way that social media is structured that a lot of things, even between human users can be confused. So this is a very long way of saying the reason my account got deleted in the first place is I made a, sarc a clearly sarcastic comment about Canadian Mounties. So again, not like some anti-Semitic flair, not some like, Islamophobic or homophobic or transphobic remark. It was literally a snide, like clearly tongue in cheek comment about Canadian Mounties. And they, like, in, or the intelligent or the AI or whatever it was called that was looking it up, saw that as hate speech. So instead of being smart about it and having a, or instead of having like a seamless way of talking to Instagram, getting on the phone with somebody and explaining the problem out, they're like, we'll direct you to the help center. And then, you know, about 12 attempts later on me, like rage typing, like what the fuck is going on? Why are my accounts all messed up? I eventually got to the comment that I saw now and they had no way of me going back to the comment. They had no way of me going, deleting the comment so I could get any strikes off my page. Um, and this is also like shortly after Russia invaded Ukraine too. So you have all the, you, you know, Russian hackers and spy bots and malware popping up on there. So eventually my account got quarantined. I couldn't get any new followers after like a month. 
um, like a very intense form of shadow banning. So for those of you creators out there that are like, oh no, is the shadow ban like real or whatever? Yes, it's real. Instagram will never acknowledge it. It is 100% real. I've been, I've experienced it. Other creators I've known have experienced it. It's frustrating as hell. There's other like platform users on like YouTube or Facebook that have like their own means of reaching out to people. I'm sure TikTok has their own version of it too. Um, where if you don't say the right things or you engage in controversial subjects, even if you're going in with the best of intentions and like any like functional person can recognize that you're not being hateful, they'll stat they'll still tag you for it. Uh, yeah, TikTok is like famous for shadow banning. Yeah, I mean it's but also I... like owned by China, so there's that whole conversation. Yeah, uh, exactly. Because the what they shadow ban is very um, not flying in America, but totally okay over there. Oh, yeah, do tell. You probably know more about TikTok than I do. Okay, so I do know they disproportionately go after POC creators, and that includes other Asian creators too. So I was like, oh, that's weird. Well, you, um, you mean go after like in terms of like censorship and just shadow banning them? Just straight up shadow banning. <sighs> Great. Um, if they don't, if you are over a certain size, you are very much shadow banned as well. Like China like, is hard, people. Well, over a certain size, like in terms of what girth, body weight. <laughs> oh, 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 like fat. Oh, fat people. Jeez, not even Damn. fully fat people. Just people That's that bad, like right? have any non apps. Basically, like, anyone who doesn't look like a Calvin Klein model gets. <laughs> Kind of, yeah. I'm not saying every everyone, and I think they've let lessened on that over the last couple of years because people noticed immediately. But yeah, it, shadow banning—it's a whole thing. You know it, and I'm happy yeah. that you are bouncing back though because it's bringing you so much joy and happiness. Yeah, I mean, it, it came to a point where it was it was June of 2022 where the shadow banning happened, and. I was at a crossroads. Like I felt justifiably pissed off and like wanting to scream and like spit fire and everything like that. But after a lot of trips to the gym, <laughs> letting all that bad energy out, you know, you ultimately have to make a choice. Like, is this going to stop you from telling the story that you really want to, or are you going to find a way around it, restart something? And even though it may look desperate at the time, like literally reach out to your whole following, your most loyal followers and be like, Hey, please help me. My account got nixed over. Help me restart this thing. And again, like I said, there were enough followers that were able and willing to just come to my rescue, follow the new account and not only follow it, but be engaged with it. So even though I was at that point on a big delay, I could go back and make changes or make more, make the drawings more detailed. So in a way it was a blessing in disguise. So I could not only, you know, restart my following with a more engaged audience and take off that way, but it also allowed me to go back, make some changes, like I said, and uh, remaster, if you will, some of my older drawings so they looked a little bit better and more consistent with the style as it went on. So definitely, it was definitely a giant sucker punch I didn't see coming, but 100% happier with the result and the way the channel is going right, or channel. <laughs> the way the account's going right now. I mean, it's a channel of creativity, I guess. It is, but like, you know, whatever social platform you're on, you have to stay the certain lingo, man. 
<laughs> Not if you just admit you're old and go with it. I mean, I am old. I'm turning 30 this year, so it's just like, ah, cool, whatever. I don't care. That's right, everyone. Paul is old. I will be. I still have about another four months left of youth. I'm just saying. What do you want to call that? By like what? A year? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, so you already mentioned it somewhat. And I want to bring it up that you also mentioned working out. And that's something you really got into after we stopped living together. So let's go on that journey together. Working out. I mean, I have I have been struggling with my I, – I had been struggling with what I now realize is body dysmorphia for a while. And it was as a result of just being sick a lot as a kid and not really having a great relationship with food. Like my, my parents treated me very well. It wasn't anything like that. It was just, I had lots of allergies and I didn't want to eat and I didn't feel like eating. And then because of that, I wasn't really anorexic, but I wasn't really at a healthy weight. I eventually got everything under control with allergy shots and stuff. And then, you know, once you're, once you have normal relationship with food and like, you're not like sick all the time, it's like, oh my God, let me eat all this stuff. So you have like all the growth spurt and whatnot as a kid and teenager so you start eating a lot but it was just like i didn't really control myself with it it just got to a point where like i would use food as sometimes as like a comforting thing or a distraction or just like consuming 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 as i was like doing schoolwork and whatnot and then in college you know everyone gets fat in college (laughs) let's just be honest everyone does and it got to a point where i weighed myself at about 265 by the time my sophomore year ended and my physician had a heart to heart with me and said you're you're not diabetic but you continue down this path long enough you're going to get there and having known diabetics like both within my own family and some kids growing up i'm just like yeah this is the last thing you need like a very understandably crippling medical disease or health condition where this could impact you for life. So started running a lot the following year, started like actually going to the gym very much. So a noob, I still think of myself as a noob at the gym too, but helps you keep going and whatnot. And you just eventually stick with the choice of being fit. You watch what you eat. You're mindful of it. You don't really get rid of your body dysmorphia. You just learn how to manage it better and being aware of like triggers or, things that could pull you back into that behavior or just being aware of life choices in general and taking ownership. I'm not saying it's going to solve the problem completely, but it definitely redirects your mind on a healthier track. So yeah, it's a long way of saying I love going to the gym and lifting weights and, you know, lifting things up and putting them back down again. It's a good pastime. And I don't understand why people use the phrase, pick it up and put it down again. But, you know, I'm not against people being fit or healthy and going to the gym, so I don't question it. But just in the world, and because it's you, and I know you're not going to, like, explain it to me because I really don't care. I just, like, that phrase alone, I'm like, why do people, like, see that phrase as, like, God? But that's not my... Because it's, like, you know, funny. It's, like, you kind of have to do with the Arnold Schwarzenegger voice, too. I lift things up and I put them down. (laughs) Yeah, I can't do impressions like you, so... Um, we're Do I still got it? I feel like I'm I'm losing it a little bit. I mean, it's allergy season, so who knows? <laughs> I'm also smoking a bit, so there's that. Oh, okay. Uh, so before we move on, on 
I want to say something because I actually never knew this about you. I, people, I actually learned a shit ton about Paul today. Yeah. So, and it's probably not like a shit shit ton that I'm thinking of, but it's very impactful to me. So, oh my God, I feel like I'm on Oprah now. <laughs> it's impactful. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's impactful to me. I'm a lot of emotions, goddammit. Okay, you can. I'm just, yeah, go on, go on. I was like, you are not going to out-psych me on this show. Anyways. um, (laughs) uh, But yeah, so when we were, like, hanging out, because everyone, me and Paul did not hang out, like, starting with all the stuff we mentioned, we started hanging out because no one wanted to go see the damn free movies of the week, (laughs) except for us. That's true. Like, literally, like, movies that weren't even on DVD yet, we got them. I'm not sure how how that happened. Again, DVD. That's this. This shows you we're, we're old. <laughs> I'm not old. You're old. But um, uh, I'm just kidding, people. I'm also turning thirty. I'm very proud of it. I've actually been saying I've been thirty for the last three years because I just think I am. You're so you're ready for it. You're not like running from the dirty thirty. No, I just I have no issue being my age. I just like to tell everyone I'm not old. <laughs> I'm thirty, but I'm not old. Well, yeah, it's a mindset. You, you've always had like the more like energetic, go-getting, positive, like young. I hate that expression. I almost said young at heart, but that reminds me of like some like checkerboard shirted grandpa playing shuffleboard in the retirement home. Oh, we do have a fun shuffleboard bar near uh, Brooklyn, but that's full of a bunch of like millennials and Zoomers that are drunk as fuck at one in the morning. That's a different kind of shuffleboard. Huh, this is yeah. not like loaded up on Raisin Bran and prune juice kind of shuffleboard. But anyway, not to be ageist. <laughs> True. No, but back to my touching shit. Um, yes. Because <laughs> that's how you introduce yes, go, heartfelt shit. Go, go, go on. Go on. What, what, what kind of shit are you touching upon? Ew. Anyways, so... No. Okay, so when we were hanging out, and then, like, the whole reason why we started getting into writing together, everyone, is because <laughs> Brad and I were actually, like, RPing on, like, because you RPed on forums back then, everyone. And... Uh, you remember those message board forums? I actually never really did it on there. I did it in other avenues, which we'll talk about off camera. But um, <laughs> because I don't remember, so it's going to take me a minute. So that's why yeah. to remember exactly. But anyway, so me and Brad were RPing on the forums because I never did forum RP before. And I don't think Brad ever RP before, but he was on forums. So we just found him. We just started doing it. We both got kicked off because uh, we. What did broke, you do? We created female characters. And there were too many female characters in the form. So they were like, get out. There were too many female characters? Are you sure? This sounds like pretty pro- like a pretty progressive problem for like 2011. It was a charmed form. Oh, yeah. I can see that. <laughs> so Brad and I were pissed. <laughs> and we just started like bitching. And I, you, we, you were around. I don't exactly remember why we all three of us were together. And we started like, and I always felt kind of... Well, Brad- Brad was always there when we hung out. So, like, I would hang out to see you, and then Brad was just, like, there. Because I'm amazing, people. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> no, so we would hang out, and, like, Brad and I were going on, and it was just like, oh, let's just make our own thing. And I never knew you were so into it until you were just going on about how it was your whole life, and, like, you actually told me the history behind, like, you creating as, like, a writer shit. I always thought you were just going along to a piece of us and hang out. Who's I sound like some like Looney Tune cartoon right now. I don't know what just happened there. Little Joe Biden. It was impressive though. Anyway, um, but yeah, it was just we had like natural chemistry. Like as soon as we started talking, even like before college, it was just like yeah, exactly. Like I'm like you mentioned earlier, 
you like comics, I like comics. We nerd back on each other. We were like creating like whole freaking character profiles for the characters we were working on at the time. You had some like gigantic PowerPoint presentation worth of like lit- literally what would we now call like a study Bible or a story Bible rather, story yeah. production Bible or whatever. And we would have like, you, you, that was actually kind of one of the things that helped me like with my current comic planet death categorizing stuff like the stuff that you used to do for us you'd be like okay instead of like you know puking out five pages worth of dialogue and snide comments let's actually have characters that we can reference so that is a tip of the hat to you sir oh my god i inspired stuff (laughs) you did that was you that was like before i even because like it makes sense right like you want to have I guess, I guess if you're doing it online, you have like a wiki for whatever thing you have. But like this is before where there were wikis for everything. So we had like a more like, oh, just open up Microsoft PowerPoint, find this character on Google. Oh, it's We'll take like, you know, whatever celebrity headshot we can find, yank it in there, do a write-up, take another celebrity headshot, write it up. So it was really cool. You were very good at structuring that kind of stuff. So Thanks. that's off to you. It's my visual learning that we were talking about before we started yeah, visual and auditory. There was lots of auditory learning in that too. Just us getting excited about creating these stories and be like, holy shit, this dialogue's actually kind of cool. Yeah, actually, um, because I still, like I said earlier, everyone, that will not, that's a story that will get shared in some form. I don't care if I'm 80 and I'm finally self publishing it because I'm just ready for people to know about it. All this will be in your will. This will be in your will. The executor of my estate must release the right, still the title of it. Stop doxing it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah so no i will release it yeah no executor will handle it and yeah uh no but anyways so it's cool to know that like you were into it because i was always like oh paul's just like appeasing us and then you (laughs) i just influenced you and the shit you're doing so like oh my god guys see i do have to say you you guys did need a little bit of a straight guys touch to the story because i'm just like i need like badass it up a little bit because yeah it was very it, it was catty that's why our dialogue was amazing everyone yeah it's it's you like i feel like if if you and you alone were at the helm there would be like equal parts like the catty part but also the badass but i feel like brad kind of steered it way too hard in the catty direction you know also so yeah no but it's so cool to know <laughs> so here is my final question before we get to the rapid fire questions all right let's do it Oh, wait, no, I have a couple more questions, but I want to ask this, too. Ask everything. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to ever attempt to, like, collab again? Because I am struggling to, like, get my anything started. And I actually found the most success when I was bouncing off with other people, too. I'm down at this point. As far as, like, being a... Like, like I've done this with you, with you with my novels and stuff like that. I've given different chapters to you to be like, okay, does this sound cool? Does this make sense? Does this character idea sounds cool? I would like to collaborate again. It's just like, I don't mean this as a brush off, but like, I literally don't have time. That doesn't <laughs> sound like a stuff. brush off. You just told us everything you're up to. You're yeah, in a band, exactly. you're writing Planet Death. Like, I didn't think you were like free time galore. But yeah, as like at some point, yeah. But I think if this, like if I was doing it right now, if you came to me with a story and be like, hey, Paul, do you want to collaborate? I'd be like, I'll be your springboard, but I don't have time to like swan dive my way into a new cinematic universe or whatever none of us have time for that paul (laughs) we're all adults at 30 what does that mean what is what is what is the concept of an adult at 30 if i can Uh, ask you a question oh okay so do you want my (laughs) opinion or do you want the professional opinion 
I this is this is this is your show at the end of the day. So whatever you want the format to okay, be, you're gonna I'm going to pose a question. Yeah, okay. good, do it. Go ahead. So, Go ahead. what does it mean to be an adult at 30 in 2023? It means trying to survive the pandemic, figure yourself out because everyone changed during the pandemic and people aren't ready for that change. And it's basically rediscovering what your place is in the world because some people, not me, I don't know about you, uh, felt like they've lost like years and time of their life that they were allowed to experience their quote 20s as like TV and Hollywood and people like internalized. Mm-hmm. So it's a time to like reclaim that, rediscover what you actually want in life. Like the whole pandemic has been a whole reevaluation, reflection, not reevaluation, a reflection and reevaluation of what our priorities are and what our life is like. So for our thirties in today's age, it's discover yourself again. Congrats. You get second puberty with clarity of an adult mind. It's a rebirth. It's the Phoenix era. Sure. Which Phoenix? Um, <laughs> Jean Grey, the one and only. Well, you never know. It could be like... Well, Ra- Ra- Rachel Grey's t- cool, too. I like her in the X-Men run that's going on. But, like, come on. We have to stick with Phoenix. We have to stick with the original. Well, remember, like, so many people have touched the Phoenix now. Specifically the... Um, what is her name? The original Phoenix act- or Jean Grey actress in the Brian Singer films. Famke... Famke Jensen? Yes. That's... That will always be Jean Grey to me. I think Sophie Turner did a good job with a shit script, but as far as like consistent like look and acting and whatnot, I know a lot of people don't like the Singer movies, but those first two, phenomenal. I loved The Last Stand. It was my favorite of his. <sighs> Charles always wanted to build bridges. Magneto says he like literally lifts the Golden Gate Bridge up there. <laughs> like, I get it's a comic book movie, and it's like. One of those cheesy lines you have to love, but like also, lol. <laughs> That's why the pawns go first. <laughs> I'm the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> and that's the thing. Shadowcat's my favorite mutant. So when she was finally like in the movie, I was like, oh. Yeah. Well, well, do we? Well, that's the thing. Like, do we? Is Shadowcat she or they or he now? Because it's Elliot Page. Yes. <laughs> but in 2006, they were not. <laughs> Okay, so let me ask you this since you're part of this community and I'm not. So you have the, the, wow, I'm just brain farting right now. So if you have a transgender person and if they're, if you're, if you're referencing the transgender person in the past, do you still refer to them with their current pronouns? Uh... I don't like if think you, if you typically do. I think you go with like their current pronouns, but because... so you would say like you would say Elliot Page and when he acted in X two as Shadowcat, X three, not, not yet. <laughs> well, no, weren't weren't wasn't weren't they in um, X two as well? No, no, X2 it was, just was X3? when Kitty was the little girl. But uh, Kitty was in um, Days of Future Past too, right? For like that a bit. was after. But it was also the same actor. Yes, that was still Elliot Page. Gotcha. I'm trying, people. Sometimes it's a little confusing. But no, yes. no, you said the right thing. You went with your... I, I did? Rec- yeah. I'm not going to get canceled. They're not going to come with, like, pitchforks and kill me. Oh, no, because that's the other thing, too. Most people are generous enough that if people approach it like you, like, guys, I'm trying to be right here. Help me. Yeah. <laughs> like, who's going to fault you for, like, trying to be right? But like if you're if you're referencing the portrayal of Shadowcat in those movies, you would use she because the character is female. 
I would personally, yeah, because I'm talking about the character, not the actor, because right. more anyone can portray that character. Got you. So you would say Elliot Page and then use the masculine pronouns, but if you're referring to Shadowcat, the character, it's okay to say she. Yep, I would. Okay. Shadowcat as a character in the comics is definitely a she. Oh yeah, 100%. Was or, totally and, a beard for a while, by the way, speaking of like gay shit. There was a, this is the thing, there was another thing I just, there was a while also where Shadowcat was just really awful in the comics. Like bef before the House of X powers of X thing, I did not like modern, cause you can't even call her Shadowcat anymore. It was Kitty Pride and then Kate Pride. I'm like, really? But even though they, even though now we're talking about Shadowcat, even though she, the character of Shadowcat goes by Kate Pride, not Kate Bishop, Kate Pride still in the comics. What has happened in Marauders which is like her spotlight comic series and whatnot in the whole Hickman it's one. Her team. Yeah. Yeah. She's fantastic. She's a fantastic character. I think that book along with uh, Excalibur and the main X-Men title are the best. They've been the most consistently good. Good to know. Yeah. No, when I said last time, I think I like followed the comics hardcore is when she was dating Iceman, which did not turn out. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I saw the aftermath of that whole thing where she mm -hmm. called him out for basically making her his beard. Yeah, and there was a bit where Pyro got like the whole face tattoo thing. I'm just like, dude. Oh, I didn't see any of that. Oh, this this was in um I just I just mentioned the title, Marauders. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So by the way, uh, my laptop We rambled up is we got a couple more questions before we get to the fun stuff too. Not that this okay. isn't fun, I should say. So gotcha. you have a unique fact that you told me about yourself, which I also didn't know, but that's not because I don't know you. It's because I have no idea who on earth Getty Lee is, but you are born on the same day as Rush bassist Getty Lee. Yes, Getty Lee. He's like, there was this, there was this, I follow like a bunch of different like rock and roll YouTube channels too. And one of them had like a poll recently, like who's the best like rock Base, this is the best like bassist player of all time, and it came down to two of them. So it was the bass player from Black Sabbath, the original Geezer Butler, and Geddy Lee. So Geddy Lee, for those of you guys that don't know, there was a classic rock band called Rush. They're very much so like a nerd's classic rock band, but among one of the best classic rock bands ever produced. So Geddy Lee is the bass player, keyboardist, and lead singer of Rush. And he was the first celebrity I knew that came, that was born on my birthday. Obviously, different year, but forty. There he you go. turned forty on your birthday. I'm looking at it right, right now. Oh, really? He was born in what? Nineteen fifty-three. Yeah, yeah, Canadian. So when he came on South Park, he had like the whole like Canadian head too. Yeah, I love South Park's portrayal of Canadians. They're awesome. So, um. Yeah, and then the last question I have based off like just knowing you and all the stuff that you sent beforehand is you are can you yeah, you could speak to an expert on wombology. What is wombology again? I know I've heard this reference, but like I have no clue where it's from. I wombo, you wombo, he, she, they, wombo, wombo, wombo wing, wombology, the study of wombo. It's a it's a SpongeBob joke. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm stupid, everyone. Um, so yeah, 
Here endeth the main question portion. Are you ready for the rapid fire? Hold on. Five, four. Hit it. Okay. Question number one. What are your chosen coping skills? My chosen coping skills? Um, caffeinating myself. It's literally been like, it's, it's, it sounds ratchet as hell, but it's been like instant espresso. So like instant cafe Bustelo. I'll show you on camera. Like I literally have this like giant mug of like coffee grinds and I just like dump it in there. So I'm just caffeinating myself. If it's through work, if it's for drawing, it's not a healthy coping, coping mechanism. I'm probably going to have a heart attack by 35 by doing this, but caffeine. Absolutely, like raw caffeine too. Oh, everyone! By the way, I totally forgot to mention that Paul, like, other than like being the super cool artist person, like, has a degree in like some type of science. I don't know, remember which one, but like, actually does like cancer research now. Biology, business minor. Oh yeah, you did have the business minor because you and Brad used to talk about it. I'd be like, what? Because <laughs> because because I kept my GPA afloat. <laughs> my dance minor kept my GPA afloat. I get it. <laughs> So, yeah, I just want everyone to know that's an awesome fact about you to the cancer researcher, everyone. So go support Paul so Paul can save the world. One little laugh and smile at a time. Yep. You couldn't see. Paul gave thumbs up. It was cute in a cheesy way. I loved it. Okay. Next question is Team Edward or Team Jacob? Oh, this is Twilight shit. <coughs> um... I gotta say Team Edward because of like just Robert Pattinson's like post Twilight career. The Lighthouse was fantastic. Even though I didn't like personally vibe with the whole movie, he made a good Batman. Not a good Bruce Wayne, but a good Batman. I hated that movie. It tell it tells you a lot when I like the portrayal of Penguin more than I like the portrayal of the Riddler. The Riddler was just all over the place. Yeah. Like, I could see what they were going with it. Like, like the Riddler's like some kind of like, I mean, the movie's been out a while. I can talk spoilers, right? Yeah, it's been out for like over a year or so. So, yeah. So I feel like the whole incel vibe they were going with the Riddler, like, okay, I get it. He's like some like severely like not well socialized incel, like definitely like two out of 10 gamma male kind of person, but just the writing with it and it, it fell into a trap where like bad Batman movies fall into where it gets like, it becomes too complicated and too dark and too grimy for its own good. Like there's nothing wrong with having a dark and grim Batman movie. Like the dark Knight proves that Batman begin proves that, but like the same problem with like the dark Knight rises and the same problem with like this Robert Pattinson, Batman movie. What was it called again? The Batman. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it became overly long. It's like, oh my god, what are they going to try to do to save the city? Like the whole like save the city plotline took way way too long. And as much as I love Catwoman, Catwoman did not need to be in the movie. Zoe Kravitz was hot. Again, not my thing, but sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm approaching this from a very different perspective than you are. <laughs> oh, what direction should you cut your sandwich? <sighs> Diagonally. Which direction should you fold your napkin? Also diagonally. What gift would you want to get from a fairy? I would want unlimited time. 
Oh my god. Without, or, or, or 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 rather rather let me let me change that. The ability to like go about my day without sleep. Okay. I would get I'm, rid of my uh, my need for sleep and just like have an eight extra hours to do whatever I wanted. Team Edward. Uh Oh yeah, he was the vampire, right? <laughs> Left or right Twix? Gotta go with the right Twix, right-handed. What's a trend that went too far? Hmm. Gogum style. Another dated reference. From our college days, no less. The very end of them for me, so. Yeah. What's one thing that you would eliminate from life? Um, child mortality. Who would play you in a documentary slash movie about your life? Oh, geez. Um, who played... Oh my god, I'm completely blanking on his name. He played Robin in or Robin John Blake in The Dark Knight Rises. So like the police officer who is kind of like the illusion to Robin, I am completely blanking on his name right now. I want it, he's like he, he looks like an American Matt Smith, but he's not Matt Smith. Okay, what was the character's name again? The dark it was Robin John Blake or John Blake in the Dark Knight Rises. Just go to the Wikipedia page, wherever that's on. Oh, I'm on the Dark Knight, that's why. Uh, Dark Knight Rises. Okay. Um... Except he'd have to shave his head. Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Yes, him. Yes, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Him or Daniel Radcliffe. I could see either. Uh... <laughs> Joseph so, Gordon-Levitt, I have to keep that in mind. In this documentary slash movie about your life, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, what genre is it? Um, psychological thriller. If you stick to the status quo, which clique would you be in? If I stick to the status quo, my... It would be like the goth artsy club. Like as as far as I'm concerned, they say fuck the status quo. The status quo sucks. So go against it. So like, yeah, the art goth weird kid club. Basically, Wait. mine hasn't changed. <laughs> what click should you have been in high school? Should I? Um I definitely could have standed to be more social, but probably like further into like the drama the drama kid crowd. That's probably like, if I did have any regrets in high school, I probably should have done like more plays and whatnot. But it's not like I regret like the class selection that I made, but I would probably, if I had to do it over again, just to, not that I have regrets, but just to do something different, I probably would have go with like more like the drama performing theater art stuff. You live in the city of theater. Yeah. And what background do I have in it besides like going on stage? I have like the music thing, but you can't like, like, find anyone to do anything. Oh, I know, but like again, if I had, if if I had to do it over again, just to like experience something different, like I said, I would have probably done like the theater kid stuff. But having done the more music and art path, 
I love the path that I'm on. No regrets. Last one. If your life was a jukebox musical, what would be the opening song? Oh, God. Um, Like any title? Like any... Or just like an established song. Um, That's what a jukebox musical is. It's a song that's like in the world that you just pull. Oh, got you. Um, That's a damn good question. Thanks. Um... Wow. <laughs> That's it. I need some time to think about this one. Um For lack of for, for time's sake, I'm just going to say Ramblin' Man by the Almond Brothers. And there you have it everyone. You have the life of Paul starting with the Ramblin' what was the song? Ramblin' Man by the Almond Brothers. In the, oh God, Thriller, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's my that's my biopic, man. All right. Well, there you go, everyone. There ended the rapid-fire questions. Paul, where can people find you online? So for my Instagram, it's at PMBotto, so at P-M-B-O-T-T-O on Instagram. And then also on Instagram, you go to see my webcomic, Planet Death. So that's at Planet Death underscore comics. Check it out. Awesome. Yeah. No, it'll be linked in the down below, everyone. So just go look at the show notes, description, whatever you call it. Um, is there anything you want to say while you have the world listening? If you check out my socials and whatnot, <coughs> excuse me. If you check out my socials, thank you very much. Um, just something that I've been very passionate about working on for a while. And just know that even though the episode count seems high right now, um, there's a lot more of it to come. And we're making our switch to digital episodes starting next Friday. So yeah, March 31st, we switch from traditionally drawn episodes to digital ones. So expect a little bit of a positive change. Okay, so by next Friday, he Paul means, um, what's it called? March 31st, this episode is coming out like sometime in April. So it's already out, people. Congrats. Go check out the digital. Awesome. Yeah, check it out. Thanks again for uh, having me on the podcast. This has been fun. It's been fun catching up again. No, it's awesome. And the fact that you're going to be around next week, we're going to text like the moment this is done. So (laughs) everyone out there listening, thank you so much. All the satellites. That's the fandom name if you don't know. Uh, so catch us next orbit satellites and yeah, I don't have anything else catchy to say other than bye world. This is, oh my God. Why can I not find the clip? Oh, found it. Here you go. Now for reals. Bye everyone.